This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. South Africa is becoming more disaster prone, but are we prepared? In recent years, seasonal torrential rains have left a trail of devastation marked by death, homelessness, compromised access to sanitary living conditions, and of course, increased vulnerability vulnerability to gender-based violence as well, GDB. Uh, uh, G, uh, GBV, uh, at, as uh, well... You, you you will rec- you will recall that as recent as uh, the February this year, the 13th of February, President Cyril Ramaphosa evoked, of course, the Disaster Management Act of 2002 and declared a national state of disaster where various provinces were obviously impacted by that. I think six of the nine provinces were impacted by that. So our guest, of course, tonight is uh, Omogolo Taunyane Mguni and communications lead for global collab this is a huge one and i wonder sometimes uh, if it can fit on a business card communications lead for global corrup- collaborative project gender responsive resilience and intersectionality in policy and practice gr let's bring in omogolo into the conversation omogolo welcome to power 98.7 welcome to power perspective how are you thank you denzel for having me hello to you and to your listeners thank you for having me it's it's omoholo, right? Omoholo. 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 You really go deep into your so, so 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 it would be like like Kosa then the ho the 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 g omoholo town. Yes, not the, not not a g as in like the the English tomo, terminology of it omogolo. Omoholo. Yes, correct. And I got it. Omoholo. Look at that. Omoholo. Can you get can you get the title onto a business card? Let, let's let's see. Yes, you can. So, <laughs> <laughs> what is your business card? What, 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 is, what is your business card? The size of a of, of a tablet these days. <laughs> you know, we go mobile and and we abbreviate these long terms to just squeeze in um, those few characters on a business card. Yes. So that's how we get around. Yes, to yes, it. yes. Here's an important title: Global Collaborative Project. Gender Responsive Resilience and Intersectionality in Policy and Practice. The, the, yes. gender, the gender, you know, just within that particular title tells me a lot about what you do anyway. But, but let's start and I'll get to your, uh, the, the title because some of the issues lie within that particular title that we're going to be uh, uh, addressing as well. So, so South Africa and, and you know, we're, we're not... We're not a tornado. We're not a earthquake type scenario, mm-hmm. uh, you know, continent. Um, and and maybe you know that that's a good thing because in 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 my in my interaction and my my views of watching how sometimes we respond to some of these torrential rain elements, uh, mm. which sometimes are predicted. Uh, I sometimes worry about if we were, you know, in 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 areas where volcanoes and 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 earthquakes were more rapid and 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 um, you know um, affected us more. But would you agree that South Africa, Southern Africa, the continent in essence, 
when you look at its its geography and where it's placed in the world, is is not really in in the belt or in the regions of these massive, massive, uh, you know, um, uh, weather weather instances that that show destruction all over the world. We we somewhat we somewhat shielded from all of that, right? As well, shielded to a very limited extent, mm. um, because I know we've seen in Mozambique, we've seen in Malawi, mm. um, we see now in South Africa that, you know, floods, mm. cyclones, tornadoes, mm. they do happen and they have a devastating effect yeah. no, on despotism. Mm. Yes. But, so but, but to the not extent, the scale, yeah, not, not at the not same as scale. Right? scale. Yes. Yeah. And I yes. think maybe that's 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 what I'm alluding to. Maybe that's yeah. that's the good thing. So yeah. so so sure. How, how let's just talk about the recent the recent that we saw in Johannesburg. Does it mm-hmm. does it rate and does it scale amongst the kind of issues that one needs to um, talk about when you do talk about these seasonal um, and 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 sometimes weather related issues that we do get instances that we do get um, is is the is the Brea Street uh, incident one of those particular things that falls within a category that we you know should also just go and say. It's a disaster of some sort, maybe not a natural disaster, but it is a, it mm-hmm. is a disaster. And I'll tell you why mm-hmm. I raise it is because all the elements of of you know uh, responsiveness and 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 enabling communities around it and and the the affection, the effectiveness or ineffectiveness and the sustainability of the support over time. Mm-hmm. Also, also is in regard to this particular uh, event here down in Johannesburg and Bree Street. Would you mm-hmm. rate it amongst some of the issues that we could, you know, engage about? Does it, does it, you know, not qualify? Is it outside of the scope? Mm. I would, I would agree that it definitely qualifies mm. for us to, you know, engage on it um, mm. and engage at a level of really understanding how prepared mm. the city would be yeah. should such a disaster occur yeah. right yeah. i mean i'm not i'm not saying the city should prepare and you know dedicate all of their resources to yeah. a, you know a prediction of a gas explosion or yeah. a, a reported gas explosion you know but knowing that there is particular material underneath um, all of that concrete. Mm. Should an explosion, the misfortune of an explosion happen, mm. what mechanisms would be in place mm. to ensure that, you know, the residents, um, visitors of mm. Johannesburg mm. Are, are a bit more, you know, secured mm. should something like that um, occur. So there's, there's a lot of engagement that we mm. can have just on on that um reported gas explosion sure and 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 because you know one, when when something like that happens and it could have been much much worse actually when one mm. when, when the responsiveness and 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 how one engages that particular you know element uh, deals with the kind of things we're going to be be dealing with so let's 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 get to an understanding broadly um of an assessment, maybe yours, maybe of a, a different institution, maybe a, a, a national, you know, point of view about how South Africa, over the years, has been able to either, you know, functionally deal with these disasters or not. 
is there no. is there a gauge that you work from that you you go to and you can actually suggest to me and my listeners tonight that actually when it comes to a natural disaster which then happens we're either good at it or we're really, really bad at it. Or there are things that we are good at and there are things that we are really bad at. And I make that distinction because sometimes when something happens like the, the floods in KZN, we're really great at identifying them and, and, and the headlines go out and suggest we need to do something and whatever. Mm. But we're in 2023. And when I look and, and I think those disasters, those things would have happened, would it have been in 2022 or 2021. Yeah. And when I look at some of the reportage, which is now not being reported anymore, mm. I'm saddened to see that a lot of those people are still living in town halls and community halls and living side by side next to each other on mattresses. And we, right. and we have not yet been able to deal with that disaster to its fullest extent. Mm. 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 I mean, there's a lot to be said about um, the mechanisms that we have in place. So, mm. you know, our government institutions from municipal, provincial, national level mm. have done a very good job in, you know, implementing the policy, having the policies in place, rather, I should say. Mm. They have been very good in setting up the institutions. So mm. we have disaster management departments, yeah. um, you know, municipal level, we know mm. that. Um, we have institutions, you know, the South African Weather Services, mm. which is meant to be our first really point of call in terms mm. of giving an alert to say yeah. there's going to be, you know, uh, heavy flooding over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Therefore, this is the level of alert in different parts of the um, different parts of the country. Mm. What we haven't mastered as yet, and everything is a work in progress. Yeah. What we haven't really figured out is mainstreaming disaster risk management and mitigation. Mm. And what that means in reality is really having a budget um, in place, set yeah. aside, should a disaster at different scales happen, what yeah. what would then occur? Mm. What we are seeing in the example that you've already made in KZN, floods mm. from 2021, 2022, yeah. Yeah. now we have victims and survivors who are still living in town halls. Mm. It is treated as a housing issue, yeah. right? And not a mm. disaster issue. Mm. And that is an example of when we are just not quite hitting the sweet spot yeah. in terms of ensuring that residents, you know, are supported, really building that resilience mm. that that residents should have, that mm. should a disaster take place, they should know and have confidence that state actors Mm. are going to kick in the allocation of resources that are needed mm. to secure their livelihoods. Yeah. So so let me ask you, and you said it's it's work in progress. And and I just want to talk to some of the issues that you that you that you spoke to right now. Does that does that also then speak to if if there is a state of disaster called in KZN, for example, and let let me just stick there for that one because it's the example I used of mm -hmm. in 2023, and those people will still probably be there in 2024. So mm -hmm. so you you have the immediate response, and the res immediate response is state of disaster because all the destruction is something we can all see, and mm -hmm. then there's the then there's the, the physical element to it, and then there's the human element to it. There's the social, there's the economical, there's all of these particular elements. And then government 
is brilliant in then getting these interministerial, intergovernmental things together mm-hmm. and they meet and they, they, they fly in and even parliament flies in and, and mm-hmm. assesses. And, and then you have various agencies working together under this particular thing called the state of disaster, right? Mm. My understanding when I look at it and I look at the people who are still sleeping next to each other in those particular town halls is that they don't, they, there is no beginning or they might have determined the beginning, but they don't determine the end. Mm. The end would have been when that last person leaves that particular town hall because that element, that person is still impacted by the disaster. That, impa- that person, as you correctly point out, is now not impacted by a, an element of housing. The element of housing fits into the broader space of disaster. And mm-hmm. so, we, so we don't conclude. We walk away from it in the middle. And then the state of disaster element is gone, the players are gone, the resources are gone, and then it's left to some person in a province who then needs to find some shelter for, uh, uh, you know, some individuals who are sleeping cheek by jowl in a, in a town hall. Yeah. Th- that says to me, that says to me that when you say we haven't been able to 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 put a handle on this, that mm. that that in essence is the one on one of of getting things done, understanding yeah. when you when it starts and understanding when you walk away from it. We walk mm. away from it in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you know what really, what that then reveals is that we don't have adequate monitoring um, yeah. of these processes. Mm. So once you have an inter, interministerial, interdepartmental task team, mm. Who is responsible? Who is held accountable? Mm. Right? We don't have that. So you will see that housing will will step in quickly and maybe gift of the givers as a as part of the government stakeholder mm. ecosystem yeah. will then be called in. We need food. We need sanitary um, equipment and all of that. Right? Mm. Mm. Then housing leads because you know. The at a municipal level, we have now relocated people to town halls, yeah, right? Yeah, their job is done, their shelter, pro- the shelter is provided, and they yeah. pay the rent for that particular shelter, and so that's fine. Right, mm. right. So that's where it ends. And that, that's, that doesn't assist us in really being, you know, building that resilience and being responsive in terms of, in terms of disasters. Mm. We need to get to a point where we say, and we did this very, very well during the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, we saw that, you know, we had people who were living in the streets, homeless people, they were moved to, to some kind of temporary shelter. We saw funds really being redirected from all sorts of departments just to make sure that adequate allocation was being given. I mean, that support mm. was being given health-wise, you know, the, the roadblocks and making sure that the police is involved. Mm. That, that was our best, best effort mm. in terms of responding to a, a, a disaster or, you know, an, an unnatural event. Mm. But since then, we've become very lax, right? Mm. Um, and that we need more of how we performed and responded to unnatural events as we did in the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. But, but even with that, you know, um, the amount of, Billions of rands that went amiss in that, and how mm. how how people's lives could have been saved with the billions of rands that we are now recovering, which would have been better needed 
during the, the the pandemic rather than you know you know you know it's 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 for me omoholo it's always it's always uh, one one thing of yes it's great to to recoup the money from those who who took it but can you imagine the difference the money would have made if it hadn't been stolen at the time of the pandemic and right. and, and yeah and and that is that speaks to the way we respond to these things as well we don't put all these checks and balances even though there were those guarantees that you know various departments were in there and they'd watch every and track every particular cent yes billions and billions were were stolen from that from that particular space let's let's get into the space of women and and when i go back to my example of that durban floods in 2021 um and and for all intensive reasons i'm going to use that as the disaster uh, example of 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 various things when i talk to you is i see women and children i see mm-hmm. i see women and children impacted and mm-hmm. and and we sometimes don't make that differentiation do we when we have these disasters to understand maybe that uh, the impact on women and children is so much greater uh, and, and the fundamentals of that and the understanding of that and the underlying uh, elements of that also and the consequences of that. Because when you consider in a South African context that women hold families together, women are that particular you know element that, that keeps the home together and then then when you see a destructive nature like that and 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 you see the women and children in a place in a capacity where they cannot function those roles then you wonder why sometimes societal issues happen but societal mm-hmm. issues happen in relation to what you ignored mm-hmm. would you would you would you i'm 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 throwing you know various things at you and and hoping either you 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 say you know what you you totally wrong or you or you spot on you know, Denzel, that is a, a very neglected but extremely crucial point that mm. you're bringing up. Mm. What we often see when disasters occur is that it is women and mm. children who are filling up all of, the, all of those shelters. Yeah. Um, it is not men. And what that also highlights is that in our communities, mm. men have the option of opting out and figuring out how to make ends meet while leaving children behind. Mm. What we are seeing in terms of all of those rescue efforts and them, the people being women and children tells Mm. you that women don't always have that option of leaving their children behind. Someone needs to stay at home and make sure that everyone is safe. Mm. Um, Someone needs to stay behind and say, this is our plan of action. We don't have a plan, but we're going to figure it out together. Um, You know, so, so that is a very crucial point. Um, And at the same time, it also opens up risks. Mm. Um, to gender-based violence. I mean, we have a lot of women who are mm. living in unsanitary um, conditions. Their safety is also compromised. You mm. know, you made the point of how a lot of people are sleeping on mattresses, mm. no privacy, mm. and that is also exposing them to the risk of gender-based violence. Mm. 
because the yeah. security the security of 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 what they knew as home is is gone and it puts them yes. it puts them on the street and it puts them in a place where they generally would not have been so it takes them from where they would have considered home where where um they would have been in their area and it puts them sometimes in a in a shelter which is in the city center where all sorts mm-hmm. of other you know characters um uh you know uh uh are, are around uh, mm. Yeah. So, so then, Omoholo, what what do we do? Uh, what what are the solution driven uh, conversations here? What how do we how do we get what we've just spoken about? And and government admits to it. Government, I've had them here when the disasters were happening and all sorts of these things. Government admits that they don't respond as rapidly as they should. Um, mm. Also, they don't respond as effectively as they should. They don't stay as long on the ground. So they, they talk to mm. all of those kind of things. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's the, you know, the declaring of the disasters is, is amicable and, and monies are made available, but something is not gelling. Something in the yeah. system doesn't gel. Is it, is it the fact that there's money the fact that the structures, you know, get formulated, the fact that people actually sometimes are on the ground and they can establish what's going on and what's wrong and and how to fix it, is it a is it a human error that that you know by nature, um, the the human element steps in, and that capacity is not brought to its fullest because all the other formal structures seemingly can be brought about and seemingly can function, but the people mm-hmm. within those structures don't see it through and don't mm-hmm. see that those particular functions, whether they have the money or the not or the resources or they not, don't function to the capacity that they should and to the longevity that they should. Mm. You know, Denzel, we, just as you said, we have the structures, we mm. have the budget, um, we have the the capacity people, you know, Mm. the human resource capacity, what we just do not have is political will Mm. to really demonstrate how seriously government takes disasters. It cannot be, Denzel, Mm. that we know that floods happen seasonally during the summer, the summer spring period. We're mm. going to see the news headlines come January throughout the December, um, December into into March. Mm. All the fighting and devastation that's going to happen. We, we'll see the fires in Cape Town. We know, we know that already. We know. Mm. And in those, in those, in those, in those informal settlements in Cape Town, we know, we know that already. Correct. Mm. But what is government doing proactively mm. to say we care? about the lives of our residents. Mm. We care about their livelihoods and we want to secure their safety. Mm. We need to see more of that. Mm. We really need to see all of this money that is budgeted for being directed at number one, Mm. awareness in education. Mm. We might assume that just because people live in high um, disaster prone areas that they Mm. know what to do. That is an assumption and a very ill-informed assumption. Mm. Do residents know what to do should a disaster occur? Who do they call? Where do they go? Mm. How do they recover whatever Mm. valuable assets? Or Mm. do they have the opportunity to recover whatever valuable assets? Mm. What kind of local knowledge? I think a lot of the time we assume that, you know, um, vulnerable communities, um, working class, communities don't have knowledge, Mm. but there's definitely that indigenous knowledge that they have that 
government institutions, experts from all over the world mm. can also learn from to say, this is how we're going to bring both indigenous knowledge as well as all of this, you know, formalized knowledge together mm. to make sure that communities become more resilient when mm. disasters occur. Mm. And the second thing that I would say we need is to have, you know, more of the formal institutions being integrated mm. into the daily lives of the communities who are in areas that are, you know, at high risk. Mm. Because what that does is that it enables a knowledge exchange mm. to then take place. And both sides, on both sides of, of that boundary, mm. there's a learning that both sides can, can take from it. Mm. And I think if we can just take that sort of an intersectional approach, you know, to, to disaster risk management and reduction, mm. we can really make a big difference mm. um, and not see the level of devastation that we see every time during those seasonal flooding periods mm. and fire seasons. Yeah. Do you, do you think that sometimes um, government you know, gets away with um, these these strategic partnerships that that either formal or informal gift of the givers is 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 one mm. of those particular you know companies and and NGOs that that you know steps in whether government is there or government is not there when they see a disaster, be it local or international. You know, they they make an effort to to engage with that particular disaster. Do do you think sometimes? Because we've got these particular strategic um, uh, NGOs like Gift of the Givers, uh, mm. government sheds a little bit of its responsibility. Government can, mm. in a sense, get away with some of its responsibilities. And I'll and I'll talk to and I'll talk to an example of what I'm talking about. When during COVID, when some hospitals ran out of water. Um, mm. It was gift of the givers who went in and was, you know, drilling boreholes at these particular hospitals for water instead of government having established what the problem was and, and, you know, uh, understanding the need to what they needed to do and and then bringing about a, a plan to then get water to hospitals. They identified the problem. They, they, they took the criticism of that. But there was, but there was no practical element to fix the the hospitals that had no water. Mm. Gift of the Givers then, within two three days, would announce in a press conference that this hospital now has water, and that hospital mm. now has water, and this particular mm. hospital has water, and mm. and and you know, government walks away with having done zilch in that capacity, no responsibility to that particular hospital, but walks away in a sense, covered by what gift of the givers would have done. Mm. And, and, and we then don't hold government to that extent, you know, uh, accountable because somebody did the job and the job is now working and, and it's been done. So mm. do they, do, does government lean deliberately a little bit too much on these organizations for its own benefit? Mm. You know, the, the interest the givers and, and other NGOs, you know, that really do come to so many residents' rescues, mm. it, it, it really is an indictment mm. um, on our government because institutions like the Gift of the Givers come as, as, as a response to something that has already 
occurred. Mm. But had our state institutions been proactive mm. and had taken seriously some of the pressing issues mm. um, that communities are faced with, mm. there wouldn't be a need for, you know, mm the civil society mm. sector to come in to rescue government. You didn't we have to you didn't have to run out of water to for there to be yeah, you didn't have to run out of water to there now be a problem so that there yes. needs to be a solution. Yes. Yeah. And by the time civil society um, you know, organizations come into assist, you need to understand that the problem should have has been persisting for quite a long time. Mm. Um and the extent has become so terrible mm. that government can no longer contain it mm. with all of those resources that they have, with all of that human capital. Mm. It, it, it's, it's almost in, in, impossible for government to do it on its own. Mm. And we, we always encourage, you know... Why, why is it impossible for government to do it on its own? You know, government, government is, is this resource-capacitated environment. Government mm-hmm. has these entities. Government has, you know, the, the various departments, intergovernmental, and, and, and mm-hmm. some of these things that me and you, and we've, we've, we've moved a little bit from disasters to just, you know, aspects that you need on a daily life. But it is a, it's an absolute disaster when a hospital doesn't have you know, water or electricity or, or food. in and, and I was having a conversation about, you know, food and the shortages of health with the Department of Health here yesterday and, and mm. that kind of disaster. Mm. When, when, when we say government does not have the capacity to do it um, and, and, and government talks about the allocation of funds every year to these various departments and, and how they're going to do particular things and upgrade and, and apart from other things, um, the, I say again, there's there's the language that gets that gets spoken, but when it when it comes to the ultimate deed, we we need to wait for the crisis to happen first, and then and then we step in. Mm. Um, government, government in I I think sometimes um, when when we say government does not have the capacity to do it, we 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 let government off the hook a little bit. Because, yeah, you know, in in essence, it's a responsibility before it becomes a crisis. And it becomes a crisis, so the the shedding of the responsibility is what we talk about. Correct. Correct. Um, You know, (laughs) I have to agree with you on that. Mm. Um, You know, disasters are, are different in nature. I mean, you just made that example that... Not having food is a disaster. Mm. Um, for 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 those particular individuals in the hospital, it's a it's a massive disaster. Right, and you know, government can't be everything. Mm. If if let's just be practical, mm. um, government can't be everything um, to everyone. Mm. But what we know is that the resources are there. Yeah, and we need to get to a point where our state actors say, we are not experts or we don't have the internal capacity of this kind of expertise, mm. but we, have the, we, ha- we can fund it. Yeah. What kind of partnerships can we put in place through government, government-funded yeah. initiatives to say, this is the crisis that we have, this is the crisis that we foresee, advise us, give us some guidance, and let's put, you know, let's oper- operationalize yeah. whatever that needs to be in place. Right. So government doesn't always have to be the implementer. Yeah. 
but they can still be an implementer, but in a different capacity. Sure. Omakola, government-funded ho- project. Hold that thought, Omakola. I want to go to Stembiso, who is down in Durban. Stembiso? Hi, hi, good evening. Hey, hey. Sure, hey, I have a minute, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the, the, the conversation, and, and, and your guest spoke about intersectionality yeah. and you know, the issue of floods and women being destitute in, in KZN. Yeah. You know, so my thing is, you know, and now she's talking about, you know, us civil society having to assist government. Mm. You know, I have a different view, mm. you know, that, you know, when we assist government and we take their money, we get conditioned, we get co-opted, mm. and the government fails to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, and also as females, we are global citizens, right? Mm. So there's a new wave now of intersectionality. Then there's a new wave of feminism, which is called um, in, uh, feminist political economy. Mm. You know, this is the theory that says, you know, actually the problem is not the government. The problem is the international neoliberal, mm. you know, economic order. Mm. You know, they're busy negotiating with BRICS and all of that, mm. you know, but feminist women are not there to say, what do these deals mean for us? You mm. know, mm. where is tax justice? Where mm. is colonial, uh, you know, reparations uh, uh, justice? You know, and I think that's where we need to hit. And also, let's not target the DSD and others. Power is in DECO. Mm. Power is in Treasury. Mm. Power is in SARS. You know, mm. these are the government institutions that we ought to be targeting. Forget Parliament and mm. forget Department of Education and Health. You know, as you know, feminists, this is where we should be going, and we should be using our power to influence international relations. That's, that's Stembi. So in Durban, always listening to Power 98.7. Omokolo, you've got about two and a half minutes to, to, to just add to that particular conversation, take on the conversation. Thank you. I really love that comment that came in from Stembi. So because mm. when we speak about intersectionality, a lot of people think this is just a feminist term. It is a global mm. term. Mm. And what that says to us is that we need to really start reframing um, our ideology and our perspective and our implementation of what development is, mm. right? So what we need to start seeing more of just as, as, as a parting shot, we really need to see far better coordination um, between municipal, provincial, and national levels in terms mm. of the, the ministries, the departments, and the institutions that are there. Mm. And we also need to have a better delineation of responsibilities because these intergovernment, interministerial task teams take away that responsibility and that kind of accountability that we need to say we are pointing at this particular minister or this particular political head when things go wrong or where we feel that you have not been effective when promises have been made. Mm. The last point that I will make is that we really are becoming a very disaster-prone country. Mm. We saw it in Johannesburg just a couple of weeks ago with mm. that earthquake that, that occurred. Yeah. We are seeing in KZN, in fact, across the country, seasonal torrential floods that occur. And, you know, we have political heads that just throw their hands in the air like this is a surprise. Mm. We cannot have that. We need this to be taken seriously, and it needs to be implemented and mainstreamed Across all of the departments, and not just be turned into a housing and DSD issue. Hmm. Omokolo, thank you so much for coming on to Power Perspective. I thank really appreciate so it. Thank you for having me, Denzel.
That's it. That's Omocholo Taunyane Mguni. Communications lead for global collaborative project gender responsive resilience and intersectionality in the policy and practice. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.